Alrighty, uh, welcome back to another episode of Justify Your Existence. I'm your host, Brendan Farrell. Uh, today, I'm joined by Michael Katz. Uh, Michael, say hello. I hope everybody. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well. I think we've all survived Snowpocalypse 2024. I'm. I hope everybody's safe. I hope nobody uh, uh, skidded off the road. It was. It's been an interesting. It's been an interesting couple of days in uh, in Mississippi. Things I never thought uh, I would be preparing for when I moved here a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, after spending the last couple of years in Utah, I was feeling pretty good until, uh, I think it was Friday when I quite literally fell out of my car, um, because I went to get out in the Kroger parking lot and my foot just sort of slid and took the rest of my body with me. So, um, you know, I was, uh, like the snow is so like pristine. It looked like it looked fake. Right. And when it looks fake, it means it's hard. And, uh, I like, I was, I was, I was, I like walk outside and literally like the first two steps I take, I just eat it. And I was <laughs> like, this sucks. Like, what <laughs> am I doing? Like, I lived in Wyoming. Like, I'm better than this. And then, like, I put on like my hardcore boots and apparently they didn't do anything. So, it might be just like, maybe I'm just like, maybe my equipment is malfunctioned. Uh, you know, it's like uh, how football teams need like different cleats for different situations. Uh, maybe I just need better boots. Maybe, maybe my Wyoming boots could not handle a Mississippi winter. I was to say, then you start looking like the Eagle secondary on the uh, Cardinals turf uh, during the Super Bowl last year. So Oops. brutal, but Hey, at least, uh, you know, uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. At least we didn't have the, uh, the, you know, any falling iguanas, uh, in this part of uh, the country. The fact that like, I saw a graphic for it, and I was like, there's no way this is real. Like, this has to be, like, a meme. And I was like, oh, no, this is, like, a meteorologist. Like, this is a thing that happens in Florida, apparently. Uh, for the uninitiated, when it gets really cold, the iguanas, like, reboot, I guess is the best way to put it. Or they sh actually shut down, uh, and they just fall from the trees, and they just sort of, they're not dead. They're just, they're just uh, you know, re re uh, rebooting. And so yeah, I was thinking about that, and so... Uh, yeah, wild times in the South here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just so funny to me how, you know, you and I have both spent time out West. I spent a couple of years out in Utah and, um, you know, like we had a crazy winter out in Utah, but, you know, you get three inches of snow here or whatever it was we got and everything is just shut down for a week. Yeah. And like, I, I get it. Like you don't, you don't prepare for something that happens like maybe once every five years uh you know because it's like that's resources that need to go elsewhere uh but like when it does happen you're like okay like i'm getting i really need to walk outside and then when i walk outside i fall so uh luckily it started to melt away at least here uh we're, we're looking pretty good i think i think everything opens back up officially uh in oxford at least on wednesday so uh i'm, I'm ho ho hopeful that everybody uh got through this it was it was quite the shared experience of seeing it uh all unfold and watching people react to it online uh, always a always a it was a great experience yeah so um michael and i we both write for the daily journal you can see all of our coverage at djournal.com follow us on social at djournal sports uh, you can follow me on twitter at bferrell727 and michael at michael l Katz. and um you know michael helms our Ole miss coverage and, um, you know, he just got back to Oxford just in time for the tail end of all this after spending some time out in uh, sunny California to sort of, uh, I guess, uh, sort of decompress after a long season. Well, yeah, it's it's funny because like as much as um, 
you say you're on vacation, unfortunately, uh, the transfer portal does not care. Uh, and so there are a few things here and there that I had to kind of help with. Uh, but for the most part, it was a nice, it wasn't supposed to be two weeks, uh, but it ended up being two weeks because of the weather. And also one of my flights got canceled because it was supposed to be on one of those planes where uh, like the door just came off. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with that one getting rescheduled. That's to totally fair. You can take that one from me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I've had a lot of time to kind of reflect on uh, the Ole Miss season. Uh, it, it's still kind of hard to believe, like one, that it's over. Um, because it does go by very fast, but two, uh, they they accomplished a lot, and it was it was cool to kind of step back from it, um, not just because I had some time off, um, but two to you know I was talking to my family about, it, and they obviously watch all the Ole Miss stuff now, um, my family, and they were just like they were, they just like kept telling me like yeah I, I don't think you understand like how crazy it is like what you just covered, and so like hearing it from other people that are maybe a little bit more outside. Uh, we're really kind of put in perspective what, what this team did. Yeah. Um, anything, um, lately that's really caught your eye other than, uh, you know, everybody getting stuck in snow right now. Uh, well, apparently Lane Kiffin's been to the Buckies. Um, that's, that was a thing. Apparently he just discovered it. And of course I proudly represent, I love Buckies. It's among my favorite places on earth. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I think that when when Jackson Dart uh, announced, I think it was on New Year's. I think it was I think it was New Year's proper um, when he announced that he was going to be coming back. Uh, that just set a a lot of things in motion, uh, hype wise. I think that when when almost almost beat Penn State and, and beat them pretty handily. I don't even think the final score was was as close as uh, how the game really went. Um. I think that hype train was already going, you know, you win 11 games for the first time in program history. You, you, you went into your sixth game for the first time on your lane. Uh, when you get your quarterback back and everybody else had already said they were coming back for the most part, when you get that piece, uh, I, I think things really amp up for potential uh, next year in that 12 team playoff. And it's already something that Ole Miss have been talking about. Uh, but when you get, that the quarterback part back, I, I think that's really gets people, uh, you know, daydreaming a, a little bit and, and excited about what it could be. And yeah, obviously, you lose Quinshawn Judkins. That's that hurts. Uh, that was uh, that was one that, uh, you know, it, it, with NIL and and all that stuff, you are sometimes going to lose guys. And he, they, you know, Ohio State's been well documented what they're doing uh, NIL wise right now. It's pretty insane. And obviously, that's where. He decided to go, um, but, you know, I think that Ole Miss runs the ball really well, regardless of of, of what it is, or what's back there. Obviously, Quinshawn was, was a special player, uh, but, you know, they got LSU's Logan Diggs. They've got Ulysses Bentley coming back. They're, they're going to figure out ways to run the ball. Uh, the second they got the quarterback back, I think that's when it really hit people that this could be like an exceptional season next year and and you know i, I think there is a, a, i think people were so excited about what happened last year but i think that when jackson decided to come back and when that portal class just loaded up and just kept loading 
uh, I think it's made people realize that there's this could be a, a you know this year was already historic, and this could be one that people never you know, it's going to be potentially unforgettable in 2024. Well, like December is just a weird time, I think, for Ole Miss because they're never going to like recruit at the same level as, you know, in Alabama or Georgia or, you know, LSU or whatever. Um, but they always uh, seem to manage to sort of, uh, I guess, win the off season, right? Because they just hit the portal so hard, um, you know, because I think their 24 class is like 11th in the SEC on 24 7, which. I mean, like compared to college football at large is pretty good, um, but not so much in the SEC. But they make up for it with, you know, the number one transfer portal class right now. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just kind of an interesting dichotomy, I guess. Yeah, no. And, and I think that they understand that generally speaking, they are not going to be able to win like traditional recruiting battles like Georgia or Alabama or Texas or uh, some of these other uh, premier uh, programs, despite what's happening on the field. Um, but, you know, Lane said it best. It was after the Georgia game uh, when they got smoked. And Lane said, like, yeah, you know, we need to coach better, but uh, players matter. Like, there's a reason that those guys over there are five stars. Like, you need those players. Like, you can – Coaching it matters, and it, it can't. It's it's the difference between good and great. But uh, you need dudes, and I think that game really kind of hit it on the head for Ole Miss that they needed to upgrade the roster. Not like their current players weren't great; they've got a lot of really good players. But if you're going to take that next step, if you're going to beat Georgia or even compete with Georgia, you need better players. You need especially up front, and that's where they've really worked on things. Um, and no, they're they're not going to win you know, the battle for a five-star, uh, you know, guy out of high school most times. Now they, they've 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 gotten some really good ones the past, past couple of years. Centarian Perkins, the linebacker, and Kamarian Franklin is, depending on where you look, a five-star. Um, but you can get five-star quality players through the portal now. Uh, you know, Walter Nolan is, was the number one or two player in his class. You got him. And, you know, did you want to get him earlier? Probably. But you've got them now, and that's I think Ole Miss understands that uh, when 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 players go to other places and it doesn't work out, and they see that Ole Miss is working for other transfers, and they see that Ole Miss is a program that's it's stable right now and it's winning a lot of games, I think they understand that they can sort of come in and be like, hey, I know we didn't get you out of high school, why don't you come here now and 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 do some some good things and. It's worked so far, and I think that's that's been a really uh, powerful selling point. Yeah, and I think um, kind of the one thing I wanted to bring up about your uh, time off is uh, what's it like just, you know, relaxing in California and then uh, seeing uh, Nick Saban retire just kind of casually? I actually, I was, uh, I was, I was watching, I don't remember what I was watching. It was with my dad, like in the living room, and we were just like hanging out and I saw the Chris Lowe tweet and I was like, this is fake. And then like I clicked and I was like, oh, this is the real Chris Lowe. I thought it was like, you know, yeah, you get like uh, the fake Jeff Passens and, like, you know, you, you always you get those fake Woosh. Um, but uh, I, I saw it and I was like, I turned to my dad. I was like, Saban's retiring. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, 
this is like this is a legitimate report and then they start unfolding and then immediately like i'm like dad turn on fine bomb like this is going to be a historic day on this show um and the next the next like three days of programming were among the greatest like tv radio combination i've ever seen uh between people like morning uh which you know you understand uh, you know he's been there for almost 20 years and he's done a lot of great things uh but like you know when like people were like leaving um stuff out like on his like outside of his statue like flowers and stuff i was like he's not dead dude like he's just retiring like um, him and jim harbaugh notably not dead yes. despite people treating them as if they were yeah, yeah yes yeah, yeah yes exactly exactly um it really is i mean it was funny but um yeah i was just sitting there and like i was watching fine bomb really for like three days straight and i was this was much it was must see between the people calling in um the people they had on the show like reporters who had and worked with 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 nick saban uh and then of course you know only a couple of days later you get kaylin DeBoer, and so then that opened up a whole new can of uh people either being really happy or really upset so uh i i actually texted a fine bomb producer and i was literally like i'm praying for you was the, the gist of my text to him uh the day Saban retired because I knew what was about to happen uh to his his programming block but uh you know it was it was it was pretty crazy to be like I guess on vacation for that because I didn't have to like think about well actually I did of course I did have to think about uh what does this mean for Lane Kiffin because that's what you always have to think about uh because you know it seems like he isn't a candidate for every job that's ever ha happened uh that's just the way it goes uh you 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 cover him you cover uh Lane Kiffin for long enough you realize it's part of the game uh but luckily this one never really got to it never seemed like it was particularly serious with him uh for this one but uh my did my head did go there a little bit and I was just like I swear if I have to actually work on my vacation I'm gonna be so mad so luckily we did not get there but it's crazy I can't believe it actually happened my uh, brain immediately went to, oh, well, okay, well, this will be great for Ole Miss, you know, because they no longer have to deal with Saban in the West. And then I kind of did like that record scratch moment of like, right, there are no divisions next year either. So yeah. I don't, you know, maybe the two are related, you know, but Jeff's uh, just like, oh, no, nope, never mind. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it almost doesn't play Alabama or Auburn next year, which is, like, really weird to think about. It's, like, the first time since, like, the early 90s they haven't played those two. Um, like, I like I was – I don't even think I was in kindergarten yet. You probably weren't even thought of yet. Hmm. Um, so, it's uh, – yeah, no, it's, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, no, they're not playing Vanderbilt. I know Vanderbilt's not one that is a, a sexy one, but almost played them for a bunch of years in a row. That was, like, one of their longest standing uh, – constant opponents so uh you know maybe nick saban just couldn't handle not playing all miss anymore he was just so upset he didn't th to get to see his buddy lane you know you never know i actually do feel like i know that one that's probably not why yeah nah, the the general vibe i got was things are changing might as well go out on top yeah or, or close enough yeah, man. I if if he if they if 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 Alabama had won the national title, I, like that was a no brainer for me. I was like, he's he's out. But when they lost the way they did, I was like, this seems like a dude who that's gonna this is like gonna eat at him for their like forever if he doesn't like make it right. But credit to him, he went out on his own terms.
Um, but yeah. And so, cause I mentioned in recruiting like Bama earlier, that's why I brought that up. I was like, well, that might not be happening anymore either. Um, but yeah, was, was there any, um, of all of Ole Miss's transfer portal activity, is there anything that like really catches your eye? Uh, well, I mean, they, they really, they geared up a lot defensively and that's not really surprising. Um, you know, they made really big strides under P. Golding this year, um, but they really tried to bolster their their front seven, and that's why you bring in Walter Nolan and uh, your gentleman from Florida, Princely uh, Umami Allen, um, who's a great edge rusher. He's, I think he's going to help them a lot. They had another guy committed, but he flipped uh, a couple days ago, Tyler Barron from Tennessee. Um, but, I, I, again, I, I think it goes back to that, conversation after the Georgia game of, of of what's the next step and it's you have to get better up front particularly defensively um the front seven is uh, is everything in the SEC if you're if you can't match up there it, it's probably not going to happen not consistently anyway and so um I think that was you know I I, I felt like it was going to be an emphasis and, and it has been um and you know it doesn't get much better than getting Oh, he was the top player in the transfer portal. And obviously a couple guys have entered since. Um, but, you know, Walter Nolan, that's that's a huge get. And, and Princely's a huge get. And uh, they, they've gotten some other good ones, too. Um, I, I, I guess I'm I, the one thing I'm a little bit surprised with, and I know they've gotten a couple, uh, and I know they're hosting some or uh, reportedly hosting some right now. I, I thought offensive line might be a little bit more of a um, – a higher priority and they've, they, 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 they have gotten a couple, they got one from Southern Miss and, and, uh, you know, Diego pounds from North Carolina, who's got good starting experience. But, uh, again, going back to the trenches, if Ole Miss is going, if you've got the quarterback and you've got the receivers and you've got everything else, uh, you can always use linemen. And that's not to say their linemen now aren't, are good, but, um, you know, against Georgia, it becomes evident that maybe you need, whether it's a depth, whether it's it's better pieces at the top of the depth chart, um, you know, may, may, maybe that's something that you look at. And so uh, I know they've got a, they've they've uh, reportedly got a couple guys on campus right now who are who are, who are, who are pretty big, but um, I, I, that's that's one spot I'm a little bit surprised with because they went so heavy on the defensive front. I was a little bit surprised that they maybe haven't gone as uh, highly touted on the offensive front, but. Portals, you know, there's there's still with all these coaching changes, uh, the portal like never really closes. Um, and so, you know, I, I I doubt they're done. Right. It also seemed to me you mentioned up front, but it also seemed like to me like they had loaded up a lot on the um, defensive back end, too, because it just seems like. It looked like there were like, th- you know, like two or three corners and like two or three safeties. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think a big thing with that is. uh P. Golding wants length in the secondary. He likes the longer corners. And, you know, maybe they don't have, like, the elite top-end speed, but length really matters um, for, for, for this defense. And, you know, again, you get Trey Amos from Alabama, who was, uh, he was, he was, he was going to start at Bama this, this year. Um, you know, you got one from Michigan. They, they did lose... Uh, and then you get uh sorry you get one from uh you know for, former um, Lafayette kid um you know you you you're bringing in guys that um 
they fit what 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 Pete Golding, what his vision is for the defense. And um, and yeah, I know they they brought in safeties too. I, I think that they are losing some really they are losing some important pieces. You know, you lose basically your starting corners from last year and DeAndre Prince and Samari Walton. Um, but when you bring in guys who, yeah, they don't have experience with you, but they have experience in major college football. Um, they've got the, the, the requisite length and athleticism that you want. Uh, I, I think that you feel pretty good. You never want to lose guys. Um, but it's, uh, it's, I, I think that they're, they're, I think they're probably, they're probably feeling pretty good with, with the, with the secondary pieces they've, they've brought in. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you just kind of figure with all the returning pieces and all this kind of, I guess, turnover in the SEC right now. Um, you know, you sort of figure that even with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, they're pretty well set up for next year. Oh, that question. I mean, especially since this isn't a top four anymore. You've got to be in the top 12. And whatever happens after that, it happens. Uh, you know, tournament situations, it's a crapshoot. It's a coin flip sometimes. Um, but I think that when you look at where Ole Miss was this year and they finished in the top 10, you got better hypothetically through all of your additions and your experienced guys coming back. There's no reason that you shouldn't be better than you already are. And with the schedule, it's not easy, of course. You know, you still have Georgia and Oklahoma, but those are home games. Um, you don't have Alabama. Uh, you obviously still do have LSU, and that's going to be tough in Baton Rouge. But they're going through a little bit of a transition, too, uh, without the Heisman Trophy winner and those great receivers. Um, I, I think that, you know, if, if you're looking, at least like right now, if you're looking at, you know, what games are they going to be the favorite in? They're probably going to be favorites in 11 of them right now. And Georgia being the only one that they that they wouldn't be. Um, obviously, things can change uh, as the season goes on and, and you know, stuff's going to happen. But uh, right now, if you if you are if you are making that, you know, if you're going through, you know, W's and L's for every game, they're favorites in 11 of them right now. And so, uh, yeah, there there is a lot of um, excitement uh, around this team, this program, especially with, like you said, the transition going on, not just coach-wise, but player-wise uh, around the conference. Now, obviously, you know, Georgia's going to be really good next year, and, you know, they bring back the quarterback, and, you know, they've bring back, like, everybody on defense, too. So that's – they're going to be a problem. But, uh, you know, uh, elsewhere around the conference, I think – there's maybe a bit of an opening and Texas is going to be really good too. Um, you know, again, again, they've got the quarterback, but Ole Miss has a quarterback too. So uh, I, I think there's, there's, there's an opening for Ole Miss to make some noise, not just in the sec, but nationally for sure. Yeah. And uh, James and I have kind of talked about this before, but I'm really interested to see how this 12 team playoff impacts the kind of, uh, I guess maybe the also brands of, of, you know, the college football world, the, um, you know, the, the Ole Misses and the uh, Penn States and the, uh, you know, the schools that are like the general expectation is we want you to be in a, like a New Year's Six game, for example, 
right? Um, while maybe not necessarily being able to like crack into that high upper hierarchy of, you know, the Saban Alabamas and Georgia and Ohio State and and all that. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look, how hard is it to get into a top four? Florida State literally went undefeated and couldn't get in. Like, yeah, I know what happened in the bowl game was was bad, but there were a lot of guys not playing in that game. Uh, getting that top four is almost impossible. Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with brand and a lot of it has to do with perception. And some teams were probably just not going to be able to get in. But when you expand it to 12, you've got a lot of teams that have been really, really close. And Penn State is one that it has been so close like several times and, you know, they win the Rose Bowl last year, and they're in all these New Year's Six games. They've been in a bunch with James Franklin. Uh, but they just never got into that upper echelon, that top four. Now the upper echelon is expanded. And so uh, it's 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 great for programs like like, like Penn State and, and Ole Miss, who is, has been in that conversation, you know, two of the last three years. Um, you know, you think of like some of those like Wisconsin teams recently uh, within the last few years, like there was like a one loss Wisconsin team that didn't go to the playoff a couple years back. Like, do I really need to see Wisconsin in the playoff? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, good teams deserve the opportunity and same with Florida State. So uh, I, I think it's it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good for college football because I as, as much as things we expect them to go well, this team's better, so they're going to beat this team. You really never know what's going to happen in a one-game scenario. So, yeah, eventually, like, the one seed is going to lose to a team they shouldn't lose to. It's going to happen. And that's when I think people are going to realize that this is really good for college football. Yeah, that's generally what I'm thinking of, too. I think the recruiting pitch becomes a lot easier because I think previously you ran into a lot of this kind of vicious cycle of, okay, well, the same four teams are making the playoffs. So therefore, all the good recruits are going to the same, you know, four, maybe six to eight teams if we're being really generous. Uh, and then, you know, the cycle continues because all the good players are going to the same teams. Uh, between that and NIL, I'm really interested to see how that affects um, kind of where we sit with, you know, the playoffs. And obviously, um, you know, Nick Saban leaving also really uh, frees things up, I guess. And, and I know it, it's easy to say it now that like the playing field has been even because we haven't seen what's going to happen. But I think from an outside glance and just looking at what this probably means, uh, I, I think, like you said, I think it's it, it's, it, you know, you're not just going to see people go into the same few schools because, you know, if you can make it uh, from another school where maybe you see playing time earlier. What kid isn't going to go there? Or maybe it's your hometown team that maybe you never would have gone to uh, because you knew they never had a chance. Well, now they do have a chance because it's 12 teams. Uh, and 12 is a lot more feasible than four. And so uh, I, I'm I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be really good for college sports. Uh, I, I know that there's, you know, number 13 is always going to be like, you're always going to have somebody upset. Like number 13 or 14 is going to have gripes. And I get it. Same as, you know, five and six did these last 10 years. Uh, but it's a heck of a lot better and it's a heck of a lot closer to, uh, you know, getting getting the right parties into a big dance. Speaking of just trying to get to the big dance. Good segue. We, we, we've got a few minutes left. Yes, I am not ashamed of that segue at all. Um, 
just a couple of minutes on uh, Ole Miss basketball here after a pretty rough one against uh, Auburn. Yeah, so they've they've lost two in a row. I think it's three of five. You know, they got off to that incredible start. Um, I think a couple ways of looking at it. It's one to the SEC. It's hard. Uh, they, you know, playing at Auburn. Auburn is really, really good. They lost to Tennessee, too. I think the LSU one is one that was probably a little disappointing because, you know, you, if you look at where LSU is right now, um, that's not an Auburn or a Tennessee uh, program at the moment in terms of what is expected of them uh, right now. So I imagine that was probably a, a little bit disappointing. But, you know, I, Ole Miss has, has struggled a little bit on the road. Um, um, you know, they're undefeated at home. Now, obviously, they've played harder games uh, on the road, and that happens when you get to SEC play. Um, but, you know, even early in the season, um, you know, their first two road wins were Temple and UCF, and they won them by a combined three points. So they are a different team on the road and, and, and at home, and that's, again, it's not super mysterious. That happens. Um, I think the other thing um, with with this team is, uh when you look at where when they have problems it's teams shoot the three really well against them when they lose and teams out rebound them and that has been a problem even in wins uh for Ole Miss this year um their offensive rebounding has not been where you would expect it to be um same with their I think they have a minus almost three uh rebound margin per game this year which is pretty crazy uh, you know, you you have all this you have these this length and these a couple of seven footers. You expect rebounding to not be an issue, but uh, it has been. And so, uh, you know, it, the sky isn't falling for this Ole Miss team. They're in a really good place. I still think they're going to give themselves a shot uh, at the tournament. But uh, when if you're going to win these games against, you know, they got Arkansas uh, tomorrow and they got Texas A&M uh, over the weekend. You can't get out rebounded the way they have been, and you can't let teams shoot the way they have. Um, you know, Chris Beard's a defensive coach. Uh, I I got to imagine it probably drives him crazy that in their three in their three losses this year, teams are shooting like forty two percent from three and like fifty one percent from the field overall. I got to imagine that's probably pretty frustrating. So, um, I don't know if it's a one year. You know, I don't know if you can fix that completely mid season. Um, but you know, if they're going to get to where they want to be, which is obviously, uh, you know, on the right side of the bubble or, you know, on, on the right side of selection Sunday, uh, you know, those, those are the things that they need to, to, to really kind of work on. But, uh, the sky is definitely not falling. Not yet anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gonna be tough in the SEC this year. So, um, and it's been difficult to kind of get a feel for Ole Miss just because of how much, Honestly, just saw how much turnover they've had both heading into the season and during the season with transfers and such. But um, yeah, I'm going to have to call it there. Unfortunately, Michael, we always have great discussions when you're on. So, um, but yes, um, if you're interested in uh, following more of Michael's reporting on Ole Miss, um, once again, feel free to follow him on Twitter at uh, Michael L. Katz. Uh, you can find more of our Ole Miss coverage or Mississippi State coverage. Um, at djournalsports.com or djournal.com. Uh, you can find our newsletters at djournal.com forward slash newsletters. 
And if you'd like, you can join the conversation with other fans uh, by checking out our Mississippi State sports discussion and uh, Ole Miss sports discussion groups on Facebook. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter at bvarrell727. Um, Michael, once again, thanks for uh, giving us some of your time because, you know, as you know, there's always something going on with Ole Miss. So never at all moment. Great. Uh, thank you again for listening and have a good one.